Welcome back to the Ethics Podcast. I started this podcast because I believe that the foundation of hate and discrimination in our world comes from a lack of understanding of those who are different from us. We plan to combat that by hearing everyone's stories so that we can better understand them and be a part of creating real positive change. I'm so happy to be back and talking to some amazing people on this show, and I hope you're all enjoying it too. I would love to know your guys' thoughts and reactions to these episodes, so go follow me on social media and tell me what inspired you from each episode that you've listened to. This week on the 11th episode of the Epics Podcast, we have Amanda McAuliffe on the show. She's an Australian-based strength coach and relationship podcaster. On her podcast, the Empowered Women's Podcast, she interviews relationship coaches from all over the world to share their expertise to create an audio operation manual for navigating romantic relationships. She appeared on the seventh season of their Australian reality TV show, Married at First Sight in 2020, as one of the first ever lesbian couples. And we spent our interview today talking about the internet backlash that she experienced as part of being on the show. Amanda's talked about the impact of these hate messages have had on her and how she deals with these trolls. You may have noticed this episode of the podcast being marked explicit, and that is due to her Australian vocabulary. Of course, I have no desire to censor her in any way, or anyone for that matter, because I want everyone to be their true, authentic selves on this show. But just be aware, you might not want your kids in the car for this one. Along those lines, Amanda expresses some opinions on this interview that don't necessarily reflect the views of this podcast. But similarly, I didn't want to edit them out either because that's a part of what this podcast is all about too. We can have different opinions and still see the value and inspiration in a person's story. And all that being said, Amanda has an epic story and I had a blast with this interview. And I believe that this is a topic that is very important for our society to hear and talk more about. So let's get into Amanda's story. Okay, welcome Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Really quick, before we get into everything, would you be able to describe yourself, what you look like, where you are for the people who can't see you? Sure. So I am of European descent, Australian born. Um, to be more specific, I'm Maltese Italian with Greek Egyptian. So a bit of a bit of a pizza. I am five foot seven, dark hair, brown eyes, relatively attractive, depending on what you're into. Typical wog nose, fit, really fit because I'm a PT, look after myself, train five days a week and yeah, love my fashion. So that's the long and short of it. (laughs) Excellent. And what else would you want listeners to know about you before we get into your story a little bit more? Oh, I mean, at the moment, sort of currently working in, I'm sort of recording in my office, my home office. So I too also run my own podcast, full-time PT as well. I live in Melbourne, Australia, 37 years old, currently single, also keen. Feel free to reach out, have a chat. (laughs) Um, I have a cat. I live with my cat, Smokey, who is a a gray British short hair. He also has his own Instagram and loves sneakers, really loves sneakers. So yeah. Oh, sneakers are one thing I haven't gotten into by choice because I know that I just, I can't, I can't go there yet. I, I'll spend too much money too fast. I heard, I hear that's how everyone feels. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I sort of go through phases where I'll just buy a new pair every single week and then I'll stop for months and then I'll start again. So yeah, got too many at the moment. I need to slow down. Do you wear them all or do they go on display anywhere? Yeah, no, I wear them all. I make sure I put them all on rotation so that they all get, you know, that none of, no one feels left out. <laughs> just depends on the outfit, depends on the vibe, you know, make sure I, I try not wear the same. Sometimes, I mean, if I'm in the gym and I'm in the gym morning and evening, I'll wear a different pair of sneakers in the morning than I will to the evening. 
And to me, it's kind of a sign of success to clients. And they're like, well, yeah. this girl's always got a new pair of sneakers. How is she avoiding that? Business must be good. So to me, that's always been my mentality around it. You can't change your uniform, but you can change your shoes. So you were on season seven of the show Married at First Sight. Is that right? Yes. And how many years ago yes. was that? Uh, it was 2020. So the show launched in February of 2020. So it's a couple of years ago now. Okay. Yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago, though. And for those who haven't seen that show, can you tell us about it like, and how you ended up getting on there? Yep. So basically, you marry a stranger at the altar. Um, you apply for the show. And I guess it's, a, it's about a four or five month length process from application to being accepted. So I applied for the show the day that I actually broke up with my partner at the time, who I was with for two years. We were having issues for a few months and something spiritually kind of encouraged me to apply. So I was watching the last episode of season six, and then they brought up on the screen, apply now. And I was like, overwhelmed with action and I did it. And then the very next morning, so by the time I finished my application, it was probably like 11.30 at night and I got a phone call uh, 9.30 the next morning. So they must have liked what they saw. Oh. I did a one-minute video plus some other written stuff. And, I mean, it was very raw. I didn't have my hair or makeup done. I was just very much me. I wanted them to see me without fabricating who I was or what I looked like on a day-to-day -day basis because I don't always have my hair or makeup done and they loved it and they could see that I brought something different to the table. And then sort of in that period, I kind of like, cause it was such a long process, I did attempt to kind of start working things out with my ex after having sort of a month of no contact. Then I started to miss her. Then I reached out to her. We started to kind of see each other again. And then it was July of 2020, uh, sorry, 2019 and they sort of maths had reached out to me and said, look, we found you a, mat a match. So I had to make a decision to either continue on getting back with my ex or choose the show. So at first I actually said to the producers, look, I've decided I'm going to actually work it out with my ex. And they're like, are you sure? Like we've found you a pretty good match. Um, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You may not get it again. And I said, well, look, can I, can I have some time to think, you know? And I said, we'll give you 24 hours. And I said, no, realistically, come on. I said, if I'm one of the earlier oh. applicants, they said, look, two, two weeks max. And I said, all right, cool. I said, you'll hear from me a lot sooner than that. So I literally gave my staff 24 hours and I started to think about the pros and cons of the situation. And I thought, well, you broke up with your partner for a reason. It didn't mm. work for a reason. And you've already seen red flags again like going back there, what's to say that things will be different? And yeah, and I kind of decided, you know, going for maths was going to open doors for me that I ordinarily would not have access to. And it was the unknown for me that was exciting. And I'm like, well, I had to then explain to my partner at the time why I chose the show over getting back with her, in which case she was completely distraught and understandably. Mm -hmm. And I kind of allowed her at the time to unleash her frustration on me and call me all every name under the sun. And I understood that that was part of the process, it, you know, it, rejection, it's kind of rejection at the highest level, only to then see me on national television getting married to someone else. That would not have been mm -hmm. easy for her. 
But I, I kind of promised her and I said, look, you know, I know none of this makes sense, but promise you and promise me that you're going to be better off. We're both going to be better off. We're not bringing out the best in one another. And I can see that. And yes, I've reached out to you on again, but I've kind of recognized all these flaws and it's, I can foresee the trouble down the road. So, you know, look, she ended up getting, she ended up back with a man and I don't know if she's happy or not. I haven't spoken to her. So yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And although the show was a complete disaster, it did certainly open doors in other ways. So there were positives that came from it. So the show is you get married right away. And what assurances are they giving you? Because they're, they're saying they have a match for you. What what are they telling you to get you excited for this? Because most people are like, uh, getting married to a stranger. I don't know if that's, you know, the right step for me. They kind of give you inclinations of what this person might sort of look like or characters without giving too much away. They sort of try and bait you to believe that you might have things in common. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and listen to what I said there, bait, mm-hmm. because I think producers do a good job of making you believe that something is better than what it actually is. That's part of their job. And obviously for someone that's never done reality TV, you're, you're quite vulnerable at that point. You're excited. You're an everyday Joe Blow with no acting experience, no media experience. So you're just kind of going with the flow. So you're you're excited because, you know, your whole life's about to change because right. you're now going to be recognized by everyone in the country and then around the world. Mm-hmm. So who gives a shit, really? Like, it's all exciting, right? And look, I genuinely went there for love, but I also went there for an opportunity, sure. you know, as you do. It's reality TV. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Who cares? You know, you're now recognized on social media with a blue tick and that in itself presents with new opportunities. Anyone who tells you otherwise is a fucking liar. And that's, that's the long and short of it. And I, and I love the way you said that too, is because when we're all sitting at home watching any show, because there's so many different kinds of shows based on finding true love on TV with complete strangers. And I think a lot of us make the assumption or are, are fed the assumption that it's all about true love and it's, you know, it's not about being on TV at all. When we're all sitting at home, like, you just want to be on TV, you just want to be on TV. And it's just, I'm sure there's varying scales of that for each person who's ever been on one of these reality TV shows. But like mm-hmm. you're saying, it sounds like there's there's always a little bit of both. And I love the fact that you're honest about that. And, you know, it, it doesn't take anything away from how genuine, genuinely you're hoping it would work out. Correct. Everyone wants it to work out some way, but I think everyone's motives are really different. Like no two people go in there with the same intention. And if they do, you kind of go, well, you're saying this, but your actions prove this. So are you really here for the right reasons? Like my partner on the show already had a partner when she applied for the show, was on the show, was already dating someone during the show. And all of this became apparent to me because I had people who knew her sliding into my DMs telling me this stuff. And I'm like, well, that makes sense why she wasn't invested into the experiment and why we couldn't last more than three weeks because she, I think the guilt ate her alive knowing that she wasn't 
she wasn't being genuine, you know, not that she would ever admit that. It's not in her character, but yeah, like it was, uh, it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate for the gay community that there wasn't this organic blossoming of our relationship to unfold on, on TV. And so it seems like you weren't given a fair shot then because you were then at the at time at you all. were, you were the first lesbian couple on the show. So you were there for probably ratings and clicks, right? To yeah. some extent. Yeah. Not, yeah. not to boil yeah, it down definitely. that far. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I did sort of go in wholeheartedly, 100% willing to give it a shot. And no, it definitely wasn't given a fair go in that sense. But that wasn't the universe's plan. It happened right. exactly the way it was intended to happen. And from that, things have blossomed. The learnings and the teachings that I have had and the growth that I've had since the show was everything I needed in order mm. to wake me up with a lot of things that I thought I had a handle on. And I was not even close to where I really needed to be. So it was a huge universal test for me to get me where I am today and then to pre prepare me now for the next sort of, the next journey, which I guess we'll go into further into the podcast. Absolutely, we will. We had talked previously about how much hate you can receive online when, you're, when you find yourself in that public eye. Can you, can you tell mm. us a little bit about what kind of DMs and what kind of mentions are you getting online mm -hmm. when you're this, you know, public fig figure, even if it's this momentary, you know, on one season, you are, like you said, you've got the blue check now. What is it like being just kind of out there for everyone to have access to? I'll, I'll explain it like this, right? Imagine that you're not in the public eye. And you know, you're a good person trying to put out some content. You're putting yourself out there and your friends know that you're a good person and they know would like and love you and stuff like that. And then you have some stranger who has a dog and her two kids in her profile pic and 300 followers and displaying all of her kids on her profile pic, on her Instagram, for example, and she reaches out to you. So she's a mother, mm -hmm. right? This is a mother who doesn't know you from a bar of soap, has reached out to you, has called you every name under the sun because they don't like the tone at which you said something, right? And you're like, wow. Or it could be that the problem is when you're in the public eye, suddenly you have to be so much more politically correct because mm. if you're not, you'll get absolutely fried. Everything you say is now under a microscope or a fucking telescope. So everything's so much more magnified. So you have to be so much more careful and strategic about your content, right? And it's trying to find a fine line. You really have to refine what you do and say online because you're going to get the worst kind of critics when you're not in the public eye. People generally don't give a fuck, right, about what you do or say. They'll probably backstab you behind your back, but they're not going to have the balls to actually say it to your face because most of the followers are people you know, mm -hmm. right, which right. for the most part, most people talk shit behind your back anyway. <laughs> exactly. Right? But when you're in the public eye, 
you've got all these trolls with very little followings and probably no fucking life sitting at home, watching everything you do, living vicariously through what you do, and then having the absolute balls to tell you how they feel about you only because they're hiding behind a screen, not that they'd ever have the balls to say that to your face, right? And all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I do I, should I post this? Should I say this? Like you're thinking twice about everything you're posting now because you don't want to deal with all the onslaught of bullshit that comes with it. So what you could get away with before the public eye, you can no longer get away with now that you're in the public eye. It sounds so paralyzing because I feel like there's part of that in our culture right now anyways, where it's, I need to make sure I say things the right way and be politically correct. And this takes that to the most extreme level where not only do you maybe feel that in the same way that I would maybe feel that or anyone listening, but you, you also feel that knowing that if you don't say it right, and if you offend someone in some way, they're going to come after you. Big time, big time. And then it, it kind of like, they'll then screen dump your content, put it into Facebook hate groups. Mm-hmm. All of them will comment on that. And then it'll end up on a podcast. All of their followers will comment on that. Before you know it, you're in the Daily Mail because you said something that the public didn't agree with and you're getting your ass tried for 10 days straight on the DMs, which has happened to me on a, a few occasions, right? A lot of things can get misconstrued. A lot of information can be put out you know, a lot of it's Chinese whispers, you know, it sounded like this. So therefore it must mean this, but hang on a minute. We don't know the full story, what happens offline, you know, and people will present trolls, grab a puzzle for the most part that has a lot of missing pieces in between. Right. And they'll go, well, this is what was said, regardless of the fact that there's still missing pieces. Right. Well, I don't care. This is still what was said, but hang on a minute, you fuckwit. You don't know the full story, right? And so this is what we deal with. Like, this is what we do. So in a way, it's kind of like media training in the sense that you've got to learn how to kind of, yeah, essentially really refine your message. And it's not a bad thing because it makes you a bit more professional. It, you know, you can execute on being authentic, but also being mindful of the way it's coming across because. We live in a watered-down society. It's never going to fucking change. It's only getting worse, you know, and don't even get me started on this whole fucking gender pronoun bullshit because I think that's creating the worst kind of confusion for the future of our children, right? And I don't agree with it and I hate that the gay community is behind it because they want to be accepted, yet all they're fucking doing is making themselves so much more separated from the rest of society by now giving everyone the option to decide that one day you're a girl, one day you're a boy, and then the next day you don't know who the fuck you are. And I'm sorry if I offend anyone by saying that, but that's just my thought process. And I'm sure a lot of parents who have children who are now dealing with teachers handing down shit like this are fucking scratching their head going, well, where does this leave the future of our children when they're now given the option to change their gender from day to day? (laughs) <laughs> so that was my rant. But no, yeah, have your rant. Absolutely. I'm very passionate about it. I'm not going to sit here and give you my opinion if it's the same or different or anything. You're here to share your thoughts and views. And that's the whole point of this podcast is everyone believes different things. Everyone has a different story that leads them to this point. And it's so easy to, to pick something that you disagree with about someone, regardless of how politically correct you may have said it, and just start 
coming back at them. And something that you said was really interesting to me about how no one has the balls to say this to your face, right? Do, does anyone ever say anything negative to you in public? Because you you know you get recognized. Not once. Not once. Hmm. I, if anything, I've only gotten love and admiration in public, right? Because the thing with me is that I have a fairly strong presence in public. I may not, it may not come across a line, but I do have a presence in public. Mm -hmm. I know that and I've been told that, right? And it's not arrogance, but it's, it's a sense of, I wouldn't even have the balls to fucking, to, to run my mouth to this girl because she looks like she'd rip me apart, right? Without coming across as overpowering or anything like that. And I'm good with my words, Alex. I don't mince my Absolutely. words. And I back everything I say up with facts, right? So no, no, no one's ever said anything negative, but I've had my fair share of trolling online. It's not been an issue in the most recent times, but over the last sort of year or two, it's come and gone in, in sort of like spouts, you know, depending on what's been said. I had some issues with the next partner last year, you know, and she basically dragged my name through the mud for a year and we were together for six weeks. We had a simple disagreement. She didn't want to actually work things out. And then she played the victim for a year, making out that she was in love with me and that I destroyed her. So, and then she's somehow crying, you know, doing all these reels and TikToks and look what she did to me. Look what she said. She destroyed me and this and that. And it's like, and then I'm like, should I defend myself and should I slam her online? And I've had several conversations with close people that have said, do not throw the dog the bone. Do not even give it air. Like, let her dig her own grave. Let her make herself, like, do you honestly think anyone with half a brain will take that seriously? Like, she looks like a psycho. Like, let her fucking run her mouth type situation, right? And so you're there with your hands tied behind your back, dying of frustration, going, this girl is doing everything in her power to destroy my reputation, but there's no two sides of the story. And then it's like, well, do people need to know the two sides of the story? Like, how... How bad is it? And you kind of gauge it by if you're not really getting nasty DMs from all the shit that she's saying, let them say what they're saying. And that's kind of what it came down to mm -hmm. is although she was posting all this shit, I might might have gotten the occasional hate message. But there was a situation where I had to go to court at the start of this year over her, right? And, you know, that, that fucked me for a bit. Yeah. You know, and it's because it was out in the public, but like this girl takes me to court and then I go to the lawyer. So what does she get out of this? And they go, nothing. I said, so not a dollar. If I have to pay a court fee, that goes to the court, doesn't go to her. They go, that's correct. And I go, so do you see and understand her motive behind taking me to court? They're like, we get it. Cool. Yeah. So no sooner does my court date get announced, it gets announced in the media. Mm -hmm. So it's like had nothing to do with taking me to court and everything to do with finding yet another opportunity to rubbish my name in the media, in which case the situation could have been easily dealt with away from the courts. So unfortunately, when you are in the public eye, look at Johnny Depp, for example, mm -hmm. you have tainted ex-lovers that will find any opportunity to run your name through the mud and try and, or try and gain, you know, some sort of financial earning from you because they can. So it's a problem. It's made dating harder because you don't know who to trust. 
So, so how do you date now? Because I, I would, in the back of my head, I, I would always be thinking, are you here for me? Are you here because you saw me on TV? Are you here because you know my, you knew my name before we met? Is there a filter that you have to pass everybody through when you meet them? Yeah, it, it, people treat me like a celebrity. They get treated like a fan, mm. in which case we're probably not going to be close mates, right? Right. They may, they may not. It depends. If I see that you actually like everything else that I do and my messaging and stuff, we might be able to be friends, which has happened, right? But over the last two years since the show, I was only seeing two people last year, both very short-lived. I haven't had a date in a year. So I've had, you know, no intimacy. I think I've kissed all of two people in a year. Um, been on online dating. I've now completely deleted the apps, was mysteriously banned from Tinder and another one had no idea why I was banned. Wouldn't surprise me if I was reported for some unknown reason by Psycho X, who's also gone to lengths to destroy my ratings on my podcast. You know, just, just shit like that. Just, yeah, it's, it's been hard. Dating's been really fucking hard since the show and but in a way it's kind of good because you're like well I don't want to just like your standards go from here Mm. to now kind of here and it's like well maybe the quality of person that I can now date I'm gonna personally design what they look feel and sound like and I'm gonna wait a little bit longer until I meet that person right and if they know I'm in the public eye, maybe they too will be in the public eye and then there will be this understanding around what I do for a living and the fact that I am very much publicly out there doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm having sexy DMs with all my followers, far from it, <laughs> right. right? Majority of them, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. God love you, but most of you are not my cup of tea, right? So, and funnily enough, it's always... <laughs> It's always the ugly ones that have got the most amount of confidence to ask you out on a date. And I'm like, mate, I'll give you 10 points just for trying because you got <laughs> the confidence behind the screen to do that. But, you know, so, yeah, this is, I mean, this has kind of been the longest stint that I've gone without sort of dating um, in a while. But what I've learned in that and what I've healed in the last 10, year, 10 months, 12 months now has been astronomical. So my growth has been incredible. Mm. And so tell me a little bit about that because it sounds a bit like this kind of trial by fire almost of enduring all of this. And you talked about how to, you know, refine your message and really, you know, refine who, what kind of people you want to date. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've kind of discovered about yourself having gone through this really difficult process? When you say to the universe, I want to achieve X, Y, Z, the universe has to put you through a trial process to make sure that you're ready for the next level. Because the higher you go into the level of success, the harder the critics are. Mm-hmm. So I, my dream is to run a TV show and host a TV show you know, amongst the giants and the likes of Oprah slash Ellen DeGeneres. We don't have that here in Australia. Mm. We don't have that female 
representative here that represents all women. I believe I am that woman in this country, right? Whether people agree or disagree, I've worked my brand around that, right? So for me, it's only a matter of time before it happens. Mm-hmm. To get to that level of greatness and exposure, right? If I thought I'd been exposed to trolls in the past, trolls are only going to either get far worse, right? The exposure is going to be a lot greater. And so you've got to know how to deal with that. You've got to know how to deal with not taking things personally. (laughs) The pressure of being in the public eye. I want to be more in the public eye to spread my message, not for the fame, not for the money, but I didn't go through what I went through to do nothing with it. I didn't go through what I went through to work nine to five or for a boss. I'm happy to work for a boss so long as he is the head producer of a well-known TV network and he's helping me get my message out, right? So I'm really clear on what I want in life. What that looks like now is I run a podcast, which is, you know, we're making waves. We've got really good guests on the show that really know their shit, you know, I've refined my art as an interviewer and really made it very conversation-based, you know, organic. It goes where it goes. Half the time I don't have questions prepared and I tell them that, right? And, yeah, I just believe that if you want greatness, be ready for the fucking war that comes with it. Mm. And if that war lasts for two years, It'll finish when you, when the universe goes, okay, you've learned now. So for me, you know, I've had spiritual confirmation that all the rubbish that happened in the past is no longer going to repeat itself. I've had a long enough break from dating for that to never happen. Mm-hmm. And I had to get okay with being alone and at times lonely, right, to heal and to, and to process all the shit that happened, right? Yeah, I want to go out and fuck like a champion and go on dates and stuff like that, right? But it's either do that or take a little bit longer time, heal, and recognize that quality is better than quantity because when the next one comes along, mate, I want her to blow my socks off. In every sense, personality, seeing me for who I am, Mm -hmm. not for the celebrity or anything like that. And I don't consider myself a celebrity. When people call me a celebrity, I laugh. I'm like, (laughs) look, yeah, sure, I get recognized on the street, but I don't consider myself a celebrity. And maybe that's me just being humble, but I never forget where I came from. Because at any point, if COVID taught us anything, it can take anything away from us at any given time and we become, we can become a prisoner in our own home, mm-hmm. in which case you are then a fucking nobody, right? I felt like a prisoner. I don't know about you, but I think we all felt that. So if you're relying on everything you have, everything you have or what you do for work, if you're relying on all of that to feel like you're a somebody, mm-hmm. I think a little bit of reassessment needs to happen right? Where you don't know what you got until you lose it. And you have to know who you are when you have nothing at all. We talk about how you have to learn to let some of that go and not let it get to you. It sounds like there's a huge mental health process that comes with this. Can you tell me about Mm -hmm. 
the impact that being in the public eye and being on the ne- the negative side of all these things, what impact does that have on your mental health? Yeah. Look, I had a lot of good support around me, but there were moments. I got some, pre- I had some pretty dark moments probably in 2020. I was trolled severely for 10 days straight. Yeah. So what had happened is um, in the middle of the pandemic, I was wanting to move to Queensland which is up north in Australia. It's a, it's a warmer part of Australia and I needed a change. I needed to get out. Yeah. My life fell apart in 2020. My dad had had bashed me in front of my mum in 2019. Um, my family, mum, brother, sister, basically all stu- stood by his side because um, there were fina- financial benefits to do that deep down. Um, so I was essentially ostracized from the family. I had issues with both my bridesmaids that were on the show with me. Um, there were other, just everything that could have fallen apart did. And I needed to get out of the country. I had money in the bank at the time, but I'd helped so many people with their businesses that I wanted to start a GoFundMe page to help me raise the funds to move into state because it can be quite expensive. Mm -hmm. The other expense was having to pay for hotel quarantine, which was going to be a couple of grand give or take. So I had a friend of mine, a close friend of mine suggest, look, maybe just quietly create a GoFundMe page, send it to people's DMs and see who wants to donate. Obviously there's no, there's no, no one's forced to donate, right? Now, probably wrong timing. Okay. When we talk about thinking twice about, should I do this? Should I say this? What are going to be the repercussions if I do this, right? Probably didn't really think this one through enough, but I guess the intention behind it was very innocent Mm -hmm. and there was no harm done. You donate, fantastic. And if you don't, fantastic. I love you all the same. So I started sending it through the DMs and people started to donate. And one particular fan in Sydney sent me a $3,000 donation, which was incredibly generous, incredibly generous, right? Um, When the word got out, a particular podcast who's known for um, just her, her whole brand is all about picking on TV stars and making them in the spotlight, right? So she doesn't really care what impact it has on you or who you are per se, but the more hate you get, the more she's going to talk about you because that drives her clickbait and her right. views. And so for her, it's a win-win situation anyway. So she fabricated the story online and made out that I was stealing people's money and this and that, because then I, I then put that link to my GoFundMe page on my Instagram story. And I did full disclosure, guys, look, I don't want to receive hate for this. I understand the circumstances. I am looking to raise money to move into state. I've done a lot to help small businesses get on the map and to make thousands of dollars just by putting them on my platform alone, who wants to return the favor, right? And I did that for free for a lot of businesses, okay? When you come straight off the show, everyone's got their eye on you. So whoever wants to use your real estate for their business is in a fucking good position, right? And obviously that level of of attention, it drops off eventually because then you're no longer the flavor of the month, you're forgotten, and then the next reality TV stars come through. Sure. So people donated. People donated. She grabbed the story, turned it into something it wasn't, said that I was stealing people's money. Oh, look, she wears all Versace, this and that. Little did she know, all of those, all of that Versace was 
It wasn't real Versace. I was living out of my friend's son's bedroom at the time for other housing issues that I'd had prior. So off camera, my life was a mess. Okay. On camera, I made out like I had it all together and I kept it together the best way I could. So because of what she had created, every other publication then picked up the story, right? So then every day for 10 days, I was getting anywhere from 25 to 100 DMs, right, of death threats. You are the lowest of the lowest. You're a scumbag. You're a liar. You're this, you're that, blah, blah, blah. All because I wanted to raise funds to move into state because realistically my life was fucked and I needed to get out of Melbourne. Mentally, I was not in a good headspace. That nearly drove me into the fucking ground, right? I was smoking. I'm a PT. I'm fit to cope. I would sit in my friend's backyard and I would drink port and smoke cigars every night to deal with the stress, mm. right? I don't smoke and I don't fucking drink. So it's fair to say for me to get to that point, something's not right. So I, I contemplated fucking necking myself at one point because of it. And I'm like, it crossed my mind. Um, I have a history with mental health in my early teens. So it's not like I haven't been there before. I, I know that dark place. I know what that feels like. So when people say to me, people kind of say to me, you know, in the early days of me being in the public eye, oh, what do you know about mental health and this and that? It's like, can't, don't even get into the fucking ring with me on that one. Cause I'll shut you down pretty quick. Right. Don't even go there with me because I will shut you down real quick. I've lived it. I've breathed it. And I've also tried to take my own life in the past. I know what that feels like. I've done everything in my power to build myself to be where I am today, but none of that came out of hard work. So if I want to talk out of school about mental health, I will, because I'm a product mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. Right. And I'll never discredit what it's like to go through that either. But yeah, look, I've, I've definitely experienced some dark places from trolling and there have been known public figures that have taken their life because people don't understand what it's like to have a barrage of people come for you when they don't know the full story. And then it's like, then you've got everyone telling you just ignore it, just to, just block and delete and, and don't say nothing online. Don't address it. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. No, no. So you want people to come to my front door and for me to just shut my mouth, what fucking society we're living in here? If you come to my fucking door, I've got a right to bite back. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like, if you think I look like a dickhead for biting back, well, fuck off. We'll see what it's like when you're copying 100 DMs a day and how that makes you feel. Trust me, it's not easy. Let me tell you, it's not fucking easy. It's not easy to just go block and delete and ignoring this and that. People don't know what it's like. Just like if you've never gone through depression, you'll never know what it's like until you've gone through depression, cancer, a fucking heart attack, and whatever else. Yeah, block and delete 100 people a day. That I mean, that's just so unrealistic just in its own right. And not to mention completely dismissive of the fact that you still see it. You know, even if you block and delete that person, you've, you've already seen what they've sent you. And so the impact has already happened, right? It just seems like so much of this is about people not knowing the full truth. And the fact that you look one way online and maybe ours another way offline, which by the way, oh, we time. all are. There's not a single one of us that is a posts online exactly how we are. 
all the time. My kids sm are smiling in every photo I've posted for the longest time. I can tell you for the fact that is not the case all the time. And so this is not a celebrity, reality TV, celebrity, public figure problem. This is, this, mm. this is just the reality of everyone Perfect. is we portray ourselves a certain way online mm. and, and that's not always how we are. It's a part of who we are. Absolutely. But yeah. it's not, it's not the whole story. And, but especially when it comes to, to someone like you, it, you're not putting everything out there that's about you either. So there's so many more holes in things. There's when you're on yes. the show, there's stuff that gets cut out. You're not in control of that. You're not in control of what they show on the show. You're not in control no. of who, whose podcast is going to say what about you and then what articles get written. And so how do you react then when there's so much false information or missing information or all these leaps? Yeah, look, I, I always have to think twice before clapping back. And I always kind of ask, you know, a, a close friend or a confidant and say, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And they'll either say, if you say this, it could actually make things worse mm -hmm. because you'll get your supporters and then you're going to get more haters again. And I've seen it happen. So after that whole incident with the whole GoFundMe page happened, I had to really sit and, and write out and read out almost like a public apology to people about, <laughs> I'm sorry, I even bothered to fucking ask for money, but this is my situation. Whether whatever you think you see or know about me online, this is my current living situation. And these are the circumstances and reasons in which why I posted that. So it got a lot of support and it continued to get more hate. It went viral. And it's like, you're never going to mm -hmm. please people. So it's like, just know that if you do clap back, you're probably going to still get trolls and you need to be okay with that. But if it helps you to sleep well at night, to clap back for something that made you lose sleep at night, fucking do it. Mm. Don't fucking let these trolls get away with bullshit. Every now and then, give them a bit. Fuck them. You think they're going to come into your house and fucking shit on you? You fucking shit back at them. Simple as that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like because we're in the public eye, we've got to be the bigger person. Go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? We're normal too. What do you think? Because we got a blue tick. We're fucking extraterrestrial. No. No, mate. We fucking shit brown. We bleed red. We piss yellow. We're all the same. Take all of that away from me, right? And that suddenly you rip all my opportunities away from me. Then I become just like you. So on that, my emotions are still run deep. So every time you fucking say something, it hits hard. Just because mm -hmm. I don't address it online doesn't mean I don't give a fucking suck about it for an hour, right, and get upset about it. And then I've got to just rise above and this and that. Mate, you know, like people think we're fucking bulletproof. We're not. We see everything you fucking do and say and write. It hurts. You know what I mean? And that's me being vulnerable. <laughs> it, it's like people don't expect you to even see it. You're either bulletproof or you're blind, it seems like, in, in their eyes when they send this out. Or, or they're really just that hateful, but I guess... Oh, see, everything. Fuck, I don't miss a trick. I don't have a million followers, so I, I have the time to see everything. I don't respond to everything. I don't open everything. I don't have to. But fucking make no mistake, I either reply. If you're worth a reply, everyone gets a reply. If you're a troll, block and delete, right? I had a guy message me. He wrote a comment on my, um, 
one of my posts recently. He goes, you think you're funny. You're on maths for all of two seconds. Right. And it's like, but I was, and I, and I almost was going to make a retaliation post and I'm like, put it in your drafts, think about it before you post it. Mm. Is it on brand? Cause you're trying to create a brand, right? He's a nobody. You could clap back, but it's one comment. So I kind of let that, that whole reel sit in my, it was a funny reel, but I had to really think about, is it even worth addressing? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that I could look worse in that situation by clapping back. Right. But sometimes there is a way in which how you clap back. If you're sort of unemotional, the more unemotional you are, kind of the better it looks. Right. But meanwhile, I'm fucking yelling in my house going, what the fuck do you know, you piece of shit? Who are you? You're a nobody with a fucking small following and you, you're going to have the balls to say that. What have you done with your life, you clown? And that's, that's the conversation I'm actually having off here. Now, if I was to express that online, I look like the fucking dickhead. Mm-hmm. Which, which is not fair because the, he, he came to you out of nowhere. Correct. Correct. But we're always expected to rise above. And so like, you're, so like you're saying, it's this lose-lose, no matter what. If you, if you come back and apologize, you'll get more hate. It just Still get your ass fucking hands to you, even yeah. if you do apologize. Again, depends on the situation. Because not every, and this is, this is a fact of life. Mother Teresa had haters. Mm-hmm. So even an angel who did everything for everyone still copped it. So if you think you're any special, think again. But if you're going to apologize, fucking be 100% committed. Execute on that 100% and whatever happens, fucking happens. But know that you sleep well at night, that you said it, you got it off your chest and you're happy with that. Whatever the outcome is, you fucking said it. People are going to hate you anyway. Fuck them. Right? I'll always think twice before I post anything and that's what drafts is beautiful for. <laughs> so then I'll rewatch it over two or three days. And once my emotions settle down, when I'm happy in two days' time, I'll rewatch it and go... Okay, I don't think this is going to sit well with people and it could damage your brand because now I'm building a brand. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't have a brand, it probably wouldn't matter so much. But because I am building a brand, you know, people who are aligned with me in business, they're watching as well. So they're like, well, if she's just going to fire off about this stuff, how's that making our business relationship going to look? So I've always got to think about that, right? So I can let rip on a podcast because, you know, it's, it's interesting conversation. It's real, but I sort of can't let rip like this on Instagram, totally Mm -hmm. different platform. Yeah. So it's appreciated more in this space than it is in Instagram because it's, it's a bit more private. It's a bit more intimate, you know, people, not everyone sees it. People choose to listen as opposed to on Instagram, there are rules and community guidelines and this and that, and it gives people too much leverage to report you. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, not so much. So, yeah. And that's what I, one of the things I love about this format anyways, is it, you have to have a certain level of buy-in. You've been listening to this. If you've been listening to this whole interview, you, you have the context, right? And that's, it seems like what it's all about is if you have the context for everything that you're saying, it becomes so much more understandable and relatable even. I mean, there's yeah. not a single one of us who would be okay with getting a hundred hate DMs a day. 
Mm. No, no one would feel fine about that. No, it's not okay. It's not fucking okay. Let me tell you. I don't care how strong you are. No one is built to deal with that effectively, unless you had a team of people that are controlling and managing your DMs, in which case I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. I had to manage all my own social media and I replied to everyone's messages personally, right? So seeing that was beyond hurtful when people don't know. It's like a bunch of friends that are lying about who you are when they know who you are. But then you've got people, which is even worse, they don't know you from a bar of soap and they're assuming who you are because of what they do or don't like about you from the 30-second video they saw about you online. And that's the nature of the platform. This is, it's all part of the territory. Either you're playing at 100% or you're not. And if you are, be prepared to be tackled. And when you do, it fucking hurts. You get up, you keep playing the game. And that's social media. What I love most about you, Amanda, is how this is clearly made you a stronger person and not to say you weren't a strong person before because yeah i don't think anyone would believe that if i had said that either but yeah. that you have taken this and used it to your advantage in terms of just developing who you are and that's what is what i'm really seeing in your story and i just think that's so beautiful and i i really just want to take a moment to praise you in that because i i think there's so many of us that can't handle that and more so mm -hmm. thinking about like how just hard that is for you and how and you've gone through so much more than you've even shared on this podcast i know and so i yeah. just wanted to take a second and say that i i can really see that transformation in you and, and i really admire um how you've turned that into uh, a transformation and journey Thank for yourself you. yeah yeah it has it's, it's huge it's life life-changing and one day I will write a book about my journey not right now now it's not the right time but I also know that you know if you look at if you look at the big giants of the world the Oprah's the Ellen DeGeneres's all these famous actors they've all got a heavy story behind them you know um a lot of them struggle with some form of substance abuse mental <laughs> health away from all the camera away from all the red carpets this that and the other They've all got their own personal struggles. And if it's one thing I can appreciate having, you know, two seconds in the limelight and what it's like to have trolls and no team to back you up with that is that, yeah, like we're all just out there wanting, wanting to do things a little bit differently and hoping that it lifts and inspires others. You know, you may not like the way I sound, the way I talk, the way I look. Maybe in that moment that you clicked on a video of me or someone else, it didn't resonate with you. Always think twice. What I'm about to say, is it worth saying? What are the repercussions of that? And what do I gain by saying that? Always think, ask yourself those three questions. Mm -hmm. Because if you spend another five seconds to stop saying what you're about to say, which you know is going to hurt someone's feelings intentionally, Always remember one thing, karma is very real. So every time you try to shit on someone or you try to deliberately hurt someone, every effect has a repercussion. May not be today, might be in two months, might be in two years, but I cheated on my ex-partner, for example. The events which followed after that were fucking disastrous and life-changing for me, right? And I spent the next two years 
in karmic cycles, which I never imagined happening to me. However, after all of that happened and I made peace with a lot of demons, right? I know within myself, that's never going to happen again. I know it this time. I thought in the past, oh yeah, I've learned, I've, you know, been with this partner, I know better now. So no, the, the stuff that the learnings and everything like that, this is what I mean about having a solid break from things. You'll know within yourself when it's time to stop dating for a year or two or to walk away from a particular job, family members that just aren't serving you, you'll know. You'll know when the time's right. But like, I fucking love who I am. I really love who I am. And to get to that place, right, most people don't like who they are, right? I adore myself because I am everything that I aspired and looked up to when I was younger. So 20 odd years ago, when I put certain people on pedestals, I've become that person, right? And to be the person you've always admired, that's gold. Yeah. But it comes with fire, right? Yeah. You've got to walk on hot stones for a long time before you can truly come into who you really are at the core of your being. Don't worry about the Botox. Don't worry about the fucking gym. None of that shit matters, right? It's who you are when someone can close their eyes and listen to you speak and they're like, I feel that person. Yeah. I want to be like that person, right? That's what I'm talking about. That's what life's about. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and for being so open and vulnerable with your journey. We were talking about how you have to be so careful about what you say, and you've been so open and uh, vulnerable with us on this uh, on this show today. And I, I just want to you know, express my gratitude for that. And I think it's really beneficial for a lot of us to hear your story because I think we're in this age where social media is this fantastic tool that we have to connect us to almost anybody, right? But mm. it also is this terrible tool that we can use to be connected to almost anybody. And mm -hmm. we're yeah. in this, we're in this age, I feel like where it's so easy to make a judgment on someone because the information that we have about everyone is getting smaller and smaller, but we are still capable, not just capable, we are almost encouraged to make our judgments on everything and everybody that we yeah. see. What I'm taking away from your story right now is every single person that you have the opportunity to contact, to reach out to, to DM, there's still a person there. There's still a person with real emotions and real feelings behind their screen. Yeah, absolutely. To what you said, think about what, what you're going to say to that person can do to them. It's, it, it can be quite damaging. And just because we're not putting it online doesn't mean we're not breaking down offline. I've had several breakdowns offline over stuff that strangers have said to me that don't know me from birth. So mm -hmm. that I know in my heart of hearts would never say that to my face. And although what I'm saying sounds cliche and you've probably heard it 10 times before elsewhere on social media by another public figure who's gone on about fucking trolls and how damaging it is, hear it for the 11th time, yeah. think twice before you decide to reach out to someone and shit can all over them because you think you fucking have a right to hurt someone's feelings. Mm -hmm. Again, is what you're about to say backed by facts and figures 
And is it said with love? And if it's not, keep your fucking opinion to yourself because opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Most of them are full of shit. And I want to, to give you a moment here. I know you've been doing this a little bit already, but for those of us who have a different story from you that haven't been in the public eye, that may never be in the public eye and don't know what it's like to receive this hate mail, and we, we have never been on the receiving end of any sort of this object hate that is completely taken out of context. When we hear your story, what do you hope that we can better understand? That I hopefully can be a representation for those that are in the public eye, a grounded representation, a voice that speaks truthfully and honestly without filters and can tell people, honestly, we are not bulletproof. We are not better than you. A blue tick does not make us better than you. It makes us more privileged, but not better than you. And to realize that karma is a thing. And like I said, everything you say will come back to you and not in a positive way. It's real. So if nothing else, use karma to your advantage. If you're going to say shit, you're going to get shit back. Fuck, it's as simple as that. Not from me but life's going to throw it to you. So if you're okay, keep getting shit karma and unexplained fines in the mail and job losses and partners cheating on you and all that sort of shit. Keep being an asshole. Keep being an asshole. If you don't want shit to happen in your life, stop saying shit to people that have done nothing wrong to you, right? Because you'll cop it. I promise that to you. So for every wrongdoing that's been done to me, most of the time I sit silent because I know karma's coming. Mm. The fact that I haven't retaliated, oh, your karma's going to be that much worse. One by one, every arsehole in the past will fall like dominoes and I'm okay with that. And if not, they'll spend the next lifetime reincarnated dealing with all this shit that they didn't resolve in this lifetime and instead projected all that shit onto people they didn't know because bottom line is they weren't happy with who they were. That's mm -hmm. what it comes down to, right? Absolutely. And if there's anyone listening right now who is really resonating with your story, maybe, maybe they have some spot in the public eye or they're being recognized in some way or getting hate on the internet for some reason or another. Maybe it's a kid in high school or college or whatever level that is receiving hate online from someone and they hear your story, what do you want them to take away? Hate is not personal, right? It's not personal. And that's where you can have the power to just fob it off and ignore and block and delete, right? So on the receiving end of the hate, you've got a moment to really think about what is that person personally battling with? Look at their, look at their, pick up your phone and go, right, oh, yeah, they've got 200 followers, a photo of their dog, they look like a fucking loser. If you need to tell yourself that, tell yourself that to make yourself feel better. But you never see a person with a fucking big following coming at you on your DMs. It's always someone who feels insignificant within themselves that probably doesn't have many friends that fucking somehow finds the confidence to come at you online, you know, but so too do, you know, probably some nerd burger who's playing video games behind in his little computer club and got no confidence and smells like fucking BO, but you know, and he's a whiz fucking 
saying things online that, oh my God, he would shit himself at the first instance of any form of confrontation. Just understand that when you're dealing with the troll, this is what you're kind of dealing with. And not to say computer geeks are not, I'm not singling them out. I think they're awesome because some of them have the best hearts, right? I'm saying there are stay-at-home mums. They're the fucking worst kind, right? They got a lot of time. They hate staying at home most of the time. They bought into a life they're probably not happy with. And so living vicariously through you, they're just waiting for you to fuck up, right? They're another pigeonhole of people that go ham online. I've had more mums come at me online than anything else, let me tell you. Well, what's that doing for your fucking children? How's your parenting? I think you need to have a good look in the mirror and see what's really going on here. Because if you're not happy with your marriage, sort that shit out. Don't come for some stranger online that said something that fucking pissed you off. Do you know what I'm saying? So if something annoys you that bad, take it as an opportunity to go, what have I not solved? I really need work Mm -hmm. here. And I want to take a second to talk about what you're working on now and all the great things that you get to do now. You're a personal trainer and you have your own relationship podcast. Tell me about your podcast. Yeah, awesome. So I started the podcast in May of last year, so 2021 for those listening, depending on what year you're listening to this podcast. And I did that after I had an incredibly public breakup, which again, referring to the other person I was mentioning without mentioning names, um, I used that mess to create a message. I wanted other people to be given this operation manual that was going to help them have successful relationships, successful dating experiences, successful breakups, a successful marriage, you know, and understanding the fucking work that goes into having a relationship. Chemistry is half the battle, but then managing your relationship, well, if you don't service that shit like a car, that's going to break down eventually. Spark plugs are going to go, the brakes are going to wear out, you know, and if we all relate that down to how do we understand how each one likes to express love, for example, do you know what a love language is? Most people don't, but it's such a thing and only a coach can teach you that. So once you know that, you're so empowered to understand that. And I've literally spent in the time that I've been running the podcast, I I saw one person in that time of dating for three months, but I've been single ever since. And the incredible amount of information that I've received, it's kind of good and it's bad because it's like, I know too much now. (laughs) I'm, I'm not putting up with fucking nothing now. However, one of my coaches said an excellent thing on the last podcast, episode 52, it was our relationship roundtable, And she said, it's not about finding someone who's perfect. It's about finding someone whose baggage you're willing to unpack together. Does your Louis Vuitton match your Gucci? That kind of thing. Mm. We're never hundred percent healed, right? But do you love them enough? Do you know that there is a lot of kind of synchronicity there that yes, there's work, but are we willing to work as a team to make sure that we can drive this ship together? right? You never go into a relationship with a ready-built home. You go with a block of land and a foundation and then a plan on how everything else builds up together. And that takes work. No one can go and build a house by themselves. We need a partner or we need a team, right? So, and that's what the relationship is. So the podcast is, sorry. So the podcast, I bring on people that have got PhDs in, in some sort of research that they've done relating to relationships, marriage counselors, 
uh, relationship coaches, more like life coaches, and then people that have written books on love and self-love. And like I said, like it's been an incredible one big counseling session for me too. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> well, I think we all benefit from counseling in whatever form it comes to. And uh, my wife and I have, have been in some form of marriage counseling for since we've gotten married and we will never say it saved our marriage because we never put it in danger, but that's what it did. It never, it helped us to never put our marriage in danger. I love that. We'll have gaps in our scheduling all, all the time because we have children and they have schedules and we both have ADHD and we're bad at scheduling things. So mm-hmm. we actually tend to notice actually since like, it seems like it's been a while since we've, you know, had a session. So how often would you go then to see a, some sort of relationship counselor? Well, our th- our therapy is quote unquote once a month reality. Ooh. That's uh, it's more like every other to between every other month to four times a year at this point, just with the craziness of our lives and schedules. Yeah. But we don't awesome. cons- we don't ever consider ourselves out of therapy because if we haven't been scheduling, it's because it's it's situational. It's not something that we plan on stopping. Because it's continuously beneficial to our relationship. And there came a point where we, we would always joke with each other and it would end fights really well. It's like, okay, well, we need to work through this. Otherwise, we're going to have to talk about it in therapy. And we yep. say that as a joke, but it actually yep. helps to have us work through it. You know, That's and, fantastic. And it helps to have the right counselor and we um, absolutely adore ours. And so that's obviously yep. helpful. Do you think um, without that, that your relationship would have ended a lot sooner? I don't think. Ended at all? I don't think, I don't think our relationship would have ended, but we'd fight a lot more. It wouldn't be as, it would, it, it wouldn't be as good. And it's taught us how to fight better, how to, and I don't say that is in like, cause I'm not the fighter in the relationship. Anyone who knows me and Christine, Christine's the fighter in the relationship and she's good at it. And I'm not. And yeah. so yeah. Yep. it's helped, it's helped us to find common ground and to, to know where to talk through, how to talk through everything. And it's, yeah. you know, and then obviously, you know, all of this with your podcast and then the experts that you've talked to, but it's so yeah. helpful to have that. And just speaking about our relationship in general, I, I say this all the time. The best thing I've ever done in my entire life is marry the right person. And so mm-hmm. I can't give any great relationship advice because that's, what's happened to me is I, I married the right person and that's transformed my life. And so I, I love what you're doing with your podcast to, to just kind of continuously give all this information out there, you know, cause that's one of the beautiful things about podcasts is they're free. You can just listen mm. to all of it. And I encourage everyone to go listen to Amanda's podcast. I'm going to have it linked anywhere that you're listening, obviously right now and, awesome. and check her out and, and all the great guests that she has on there. If anyone else is uh, willing to behave themselves when they follow you on social media, where can we find you and follow your journey? Um, So I'm going to give you my link tree and that's going to have all my links to the podcast, OnlyFans. I've got OnlyFans there. I've also got uh, applications to be coached by me online or face-to-face if you're in Australia or in Melbourne. Um, so it's pretty much the central hub for everything. If you want to follow me on Instagram or TikTok, it's all there. Um, feel free to reach out and, you know, let us know, holler, let us know what you thought of today's episode, if it resonated, if not, 
But yeah, the podcast is life-changing and we've had a lot of excellent feedback from people that have said, you know, you've helped me walk away from a very toxic relationship. Yes, I'm hurting, but you know what? I know it needed to happen. So, and that's, if I can give everyone a final parting message, whatever decision you make, just because you're hurting doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. Breakups are hard. Walking away from things that don't serve you are hard. What's harder is staying in a situation that you know needs to end, right? But I really loved what you had to say about embracing a relationship coach, the importance of that, you know, um, understanding fight styles. How do you fight better? It's such a thing. Mm -hmm. She likes confrontation. You don't. You probably need a bit more time to process things. All right, well, then how can we throw in a little bit of humor and tone down our emotions so that we can actually work through this and realize, hey, you know what? It's not that bad, right? What we're not going to do is put extra chinks in our armor, which we know we're not going to get rid of because as soon as we start spitting fireballs at each other, Mm -hmm. only creates toxicity in a relationship that sometimes is irreversible. So that's one thing I've learned. One thing I used to do is I always had to fight to win. Didn't give a fuck about the outcome. Bad way to go, right? It's about arguing in a way where it becomes a win-win situation for both parties. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, obviously, guys, the the link to her link tree is in the description here, and we will have that everywhere that you are accessing this podcast. Please check her out. Check out her podcast. Amanda, thank you so much for spending your time with me today and for sharing your journey. And like I said before, being so vulnerable and open with us, I absolutely adore um, what you're doing and just who you've become and who you're becoming through all of this. And uh, I am so grateful that you let me be a part of telling your story today. Uh, Alex, I just want to thank you for the opportunity today. I hope your listeners got a lot out of it. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Amanda today. If you like this content and believe in what Epix is doing, consider supporting our Patreon campaign and following us on your favorite social media platforms linked in the description below. I thought that Amanda brought so much to this podcast and I felt that her side of the story is one that we so often don't talk about. We need to remember that just because someone's experiencing a level of fame that we may dream of doesn't mean that they aren't people too. And that means we shouldn't stop acting like decent people towards them just because they have something that we don't. And like we discussed, we don't have to agree with everything they say to support them. Amanda shares that she struggles with the LGBTQ community standing behind the trans community. And that seemed to come from a place of fear of being further marginalized within her community. While I don't agree with her necessarily, we have to hear her out and not attack her for her opinion because we can't always stand in her shoes. All that being said, I do want to announce that next week we are going to have a trans man on this podcast whom I absolutely adored. Be sure not to miss that. I encourage you all to check out Amanda's relationship podcast, the Empowered Women's podcast. Links to the show and all of Amanda's socials are also in the description below as always. I want to remind everyone that Epics has now grown into Epics Productions, where we create podcasts with purpose. It's come out of the same principles that inspire the Epics podcast. My goal is to help people and organizations with stories to tell create their own podcast that will help impact the world. Our first partner in the Epics Podcast Network is the Ship Out Loud podcast, where they're amplifying the voices of Hispanics and STEM. For more information about Epics Productions or the Ship Out Loud podcast, look in the description for links to both of those. And as always, make sure you're subscribed to the Epics podcast so you won't miss the next Epic story. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.